0: Okay, I'm reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 45. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out." And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter.
1: The reading of the Lord's word, and everyone said? Thank you, Carrie, so much. Well, I will have to tell you that I'm probably going to drink a lot of water today. I have not been feeling well. I got my very white voice on today because I've been coughing. <laughs> but uh, you guys pray for the pastor this morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Really. I mean, uh, 2015 was a great year, great year for us. But I'm really looking forward to what 2021 20, uh, 16 has for us. I want to just take time to praise God again for his His favor and provision for us. And this is our first Sunday together in a brand new year. First Sunday of 52 and I'm really excited about what the Lord has planned for us. And so as I parsed out this passage today, something unique jumped up at me and, and I really believe that it is It is what the Lord would have me give to you to start this year. I believe that what we're gonna talk about today is the single most important spiritual principle that we can live by for our own spiritual well-being in 2016. It's found in our text. It is the power of prayer. And I believe that prayer is the most essential thing that you can establish this year if you really want to live uh, a godly life and really, really prosper spiritually in 2016. An effective prayer life is paramount. Everything about the richness of a powerful spirit-filled life is found in in an effective prayer life. An effective prayer life is the key to each of us enjoying a rich, powerful spirit-filled life in 2016 and beyond. And again, while we don't know exactly what 2016 holds for us, only God knows that, I do know this, that as a church family and then individually for you, God is calling us to greater things in 2016 than he called us to in 2015. Greater things. And so from our text today, Jesus shows us the key to answering God's call on our lives, both personally and collectively, corporately as a church family. And that key is time alone with the Father in prayer. Prayer is an act of submission. It's an act of surrenderance. Prayer effectively aligns my will with the will of the Father. And it's in this alignment through prayer that I'm able to, to discover and carry out his perfect will for me. Jesus understood the power and the authority that came from his father and he understood that that power and authority in the earth was connected directly to the intimacy he enjoyed with his father in prayer so from our text today i want to raise for you from the life of Jesus Christ three outcomes to an effective prayer life three outcomes praying effectively helps to govern your relationships It helps to deepen your compassion for the lost and the broken, and it strengthens you in times of frustration. Here's a statement I want to give you. Spending time alone with God will govern the relationships within your concentric circles of influence. Let's go to our text, and we'll parse it out this morning. Beginning at verse 35. And rising up early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed, he being Jesus, and went out to a desolate or solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Don't forget that now. Jesus is alone, and now there's Simon and those who are with Simon were searching for Jesus. And they found him, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. That is what I'm called to do. And he went throughout the synagogue preaching, or throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The first point, an effective, effective prayer helps to govern your relationships. And you've heard me talk about this before, but it bears repeating. Before I used the triangle to, to express up in and out, up being our private relationship with God, in being our influence in our inner circle, our relationship with those who are closest to us, and then out, of course, being reaching out to the world. An effective prayer life begins with going to the Father in private in prayer. Jesus knew this. His primary relationship was with his Father. Jesus knew that in order to accomplish what God had sent him here to do, he had to be able to clearly distinguish between the voice and the will of his father and the voice and the will of others. Everything that Jesus did, every relationship that he enjoyed was governed by his relationship with his father. Time alone with God is critical, family, for us to hear his voice. And Jesus shows us that getting alone with God requires several things. First, it requires being very intentional. Jesus scheduled his alone time with his father. He scheduled it. He designated a time that didn't take away from his other relationships either. He got up early in the morning before anyone else got up. And because, because he did that, in his private time, Jesus was able to receive clear direction from his Father that would set the course of his life. So that's the first. An effective prayer life begins with our private life of prayer with our Father. You guys with me? Okay. Second, effectively praying governs your personal relationships in your in. This is this is this is uh, those relationships that are closely connected to you. You see, the disciples came to Jesus. Those were the ones in his in group. Simon and the others went searching for him. These were Jesus' personal, um, the personal people in his life. That word searching is interesting, because that word searching means urgently seeking, urgently looking for him. Why were, they, why were these close companions of Jesus urgently looking for him? Because Jesus' ministry was flourishing, you all. Jesus' ministry was like, it was burgeoning, man. They were bringing people to him, and his disciples had an agenda for Jesus. Jesus, at 11 o'clock, this person's coming, Their teenager has been acting up. We think they have a demon. (laughs) We need you to cast him out. At 12 o'clock, this person has been sick and afflicted. They haven't been taking care of themselves. We need you to heal them. So on and so forth. They had an agenda for Jesus. I can just see it. Jesus wasn't having it. Did you know sometimes those who are closest to you, those who care the most about you, can believe that they're hearing from God for what's best for you, but they can get you sidetracked by what they tell you from the purpose of God for your life? Did you know that? They can. Because, Because they believe that what they're telling you is best and it could be what's best coming from them, but it may not be God's will for you. But I want you to hear me on something. Because I believe all of us are supposed to hear from God for ourselves. But, but, But God also, and quite often, uses others to speak through them to us. Yeah. And so the key is learning to discern God's voice in others so that we can know when it's him speaking and when it's not. We need to be able to hear and understand and obey the voice of the Father just like Jesus did. Okay. Effective prayer will govern your public life. His disciples came to Jesus said, man, everybody out here in the public arena is looking for you, Jesus. And Jesus knew that. Jesus also knew that there were two types of people in the masses that were looking for him. The needy and those who were in need. The needy. Those were the miracle seekers. Those were the ones that were after Jesus for what he can give them and not for who Jesus was. They were coming for the miracles. They were suckers. Y'all know what a sucker is? Not you, William. have you ever been in the company of a person often and every time you're with them and then you leave them you leave feeling worse than you did when you met them suckers you know I was I I used to live in in a house like right next right um, in the middle of town 2711. I think I'll get on this side. 27-Eleven <laughs> car luck, man, we had this house, and in this house we had this beautiful lilac tree, man. This thing was, it, it grew and it had nice trunk and it grew up and the flowers were all over. You could smell the fragrance of the lilacs from the house. Beautiful tree. And we lived there for many years, and I think it was probably around the fifth year, or the fourth year, somewhere around there. Um, uh, maybe the third year. We were there. I noticed in the springtime, there was this little, there was this sprout that was springing up next to the tree. And, and the, the further we got into the summer, the more vibrant this plant became. And I could tell by the leaves on the plant that it was, you know, it looked like the tree. So I'm like, hey, we got another lilac tree growing. This is awesome. So then the owner of the place comes by and he, he looks at me and he says, um, he says, Matt, why are you letting that tree grow i said man look at it it's beautiful man the leaves are all green it's vibrant it's growing he said man let me he said listen that thing is a sucker everybody say sucker, sucker. i kind of like that man he said man and what it's doing he says it's sucking the life out of the tree that it's connected to He said, and so what's going to happen is you're going to let this thing grow and it's going to continue to grow up and this one over here is going to look like it's vibrant but this one over here that's growing is going to suck all the nutrients out of that tree and then this one's going to die, the original tree and then this one's going to die when there's no more nutrients. People who are after you for what you have will suck the life out of you. And Jesus knew the difference between the two. So there's a need, and then there's those in need, genuine need. And that's where Jesus goes to his disciples, and he tells them, No, he says, Listen, we got to go to the next town because that's where the genuine needs are. See, it was prayer to the Father that aligned the will of Christ with the will of his Father, lifting his eyes beyond where he was at to keep in focus on what he was called to do. Prayer. Prayer is relational. and God's economy, it's it's always less about, about what and more about who. When we move towards the who, God will supply us with what we need. So Jesus lifts his eyes and he says, we're going to the next time because there are people who who need what we have. You guys follow me? So it begs the question, who is God calling you to this year? Now what is he calling you to do, but who is he calling you to minister to this year? My second point, an effective prayer. Life deepens your compassion for the broken. Let's pick it up in verse 40. And the leper came to him, employing him and kneeling down and said, If you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Let me stop right there. In biblical times, leprosy was a, was a general term that covered a variety of different chronic skin diseases. You know, I have the privilege of, of uh, being able to go and hang out with Dr. Ryan Stevens. He's an uh, infectious disease pharmacist. And so I was hanging out with him this week, and I, I asked him about about leprosy, and um, he's well acquainted with it. And so, you know, when I asked him about it, he was telling me that leprosy is a bacteria, and what it does is it attacks your nervous system, and the result of the attack is that it, it, it uh, you start to lose feeling in your skin, and then your arms, and then your legs, and then in your other extremities, and then people with long-term leprosy, which by the way, you could carry, you could be a carrier of leprosy and not even know it for years, am I, am I right? You could be a, see, you see, I to get my validation. You could be a carrier of leprosy and not even know it for years. So people with long-term leprosy, they'd carry it, and eventually they would lose their, the use of their hands and their feet. And then due to traumatic uh, uh, pressure and traumatic injury resulted from not being able to feel things, they'd hit stuff and they'd start to lose limbs because they couldn't feel what was going on. And so the injury as a result of the lack of sensation would cause him to lose eyes and toes and fingers and arms and legs. It was a horrible disease. Horrible. In biblical times, lepers were labeled unclean. And. They became, as a result of being unclean, both religious and social outcasts. They were required to live outside of towns and cities, in small leper communities. They could have no contact with with anyone, and they were forced to openly declare when they would come in the presence of of someone, unclean, unclean, when anyone approached them, and there was no cure. According to Luke chapter 5, this man had full-blown leprosy. The law of leprosy is is spoke of extensively in in two full chapters in in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13 and 14. And here's, here's what's interesting. The Bible never speaks of healing leprosy. The Bible speaks of cleansing leprosy. That's because leprosy in biblical times was symbolic of sin. And a person couldn't be healed of sin. They had to be cleansed from sin. Keep that in mind because next week as we unpack the story of the paralytic, you're going to see Jesus doing his thing, man. It's going to be awesome. That means you're going to, you're going to see Jesus like... Verse 41 says Jesus was overwhelmed with compassion. Now I'm going to say some things that are controversial here because I know that we all have, a lot of us put Jesus in, in this, um, you know, like he could do no wrong, and he didn't do any wrong. He was without sin. But Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh, and he struggled with everything that we struggled. sure got quiet. Y'all want, y'all want to hear the controversy, don't you? I think it's interesting that in several of the original manuscripts, both in Greek and in Latin, the use of the word angry is used instead of the word pity or compassion. And I believe the word angry is an appropriate transliteration of this passage. But the point is, whether Jesus was filled with compassion or pity or moved to anger, something about this man stirred Jesus emotionally. And so without regard to religious law, he reaches out and he touches this leper, which was unheard of, because just the very fact that Jesus touched the leper would make him ceremoniously or ceremonially unclean. But in the mind of Jesus, the consequence of the ritual of uncleanliness paled in comparison to his opportunity to meet a human need. And I'd say this, there's not one scripture reference that I found where someone with a genuine need came to Jesus and he didn't meet that need. And interestingly enough, it brings me to my third point and final point. An effective prayer life strengthens you in times of frustration. Let me reemphasize this point because, because I believe that based on Mark's writing style, again, that the use of the word angry is appropriate here. I believe Jesus was angry at healing the leper because he knew what the leper was going to do. I believe that Jesus realized that this man would disobey a direct command by him to be silent, and the result would be that his mission would be greatly hindered. You see, Jesus, the, the mission of Jesus wasn't so much to heal people of diseases. The mission of Jesus was redemption and reconciliation. That's why he came. But Jesus couldn't deny this cleansing this man who at great risk defied the law and had personally came to him and fell on his knees and begged him to cleanse him. And again, I find nowhere in scripture where anyone who was genuine about their need and came to Jesus that Jesus didn't cleanse them and heal them, nowhere. But now watch what happens next. Let's pick it up in verse 43. You guys still with me out there? Say, we with you, pastor. Thank you very much. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Man, don't, don't miss that. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But, everybody say but. But But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let Let me... just give you a couple of definitions of some words here that are key. The word sternly here in its original intent was, was a picture of a horse that, that was uh, worked up and excited. It means to snort. You know, you ever, watch, you, ever, you ever watch like one of the triple crown races like the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness or the Belmont, you ever watch one of those? You ever watch those big, um, uh, those thoroughbred horses, and as they're trying to put them in the corral, you know, in the gate to get them started, and they're, you know, they're bucking and they're and they're snorting and they because 'cause they're excited about what's going on. You ever watch that? That's what this is talking about. There's an excitement here. This text indicates that, in much the same way, Jesus spoke emphatically in a tone of rebuke and sent him away now watch this now don't miss this because because that that word sent him away or that phrase sent him away is the same language that's used in verse 34 and 39 to describe the casting out of demons i believe jesus was angry with this man because he knew what it would cost him so he sent him away and here's the key y'all jesus was simply doing what was right And he knew it was the right thing to do. James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 17, he says, to those who know the right thing to do and don't do it for you, it is sin. So there's a principle that I don't want you to miss. I think I have it coming up on the screen here in just a minute. We are charged to always do what's right for people no matter what the personal cost. We cannot control how a person will respond because we cannot control a person's will. So here's the statement I want to make to you. As followers of Christ, we've been given spiritual authority over sin, disease, demonic spirits, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, pornography. We've been given authority, spiritual authority over them all, but not over the will of people. So now let me be clear. Do I believe that Jesus was angry with the outcome? Absolutely. Do I believe that Jesus sinned in the process? No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, for his sake, beginning verse 21, for his sake he was made sin who knew no sin. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The writer of Hebrews picks it up and he says it this way in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. we We're gonna put it on the screen for you. For we do not have a high priest, as Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are yet without sin. And let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to lift two things out of this passage what the writer was referring to. He says, we approach the throne of grace to find help in our time of need and grace in our time of need. We approach the throne of grace, family, through prayer. Prayer is the key. Because at some point, we're going to have to cash in on that grace. Why? Because people are messy. People are going to try us. People are tripping, man. And we need grace. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, he says, It's okay to be angry. Just don't let the sun go down on your anger. Never let the sun go down on your anger because when you harbor anger, it becomes unhealthy anger, it becomes toxic, and then it can become rage, and rage is a fruit of the flesh, and that's sin. Yes? So let me recap here. We're commanded to always do good to others no matter what. And in spite of our frustration with how they may respond, how they may treat us, we still have to do good to others. And listen to me, an effective prayer life will help us out in times of our frustration. So in closing, Melissa, you come to the keys, please. I want to give you some practical steps that you can take to establish an effective prayer life this year. Some practical steps. <laughs> it's amazing because the first one on my list is one that someone just gave me just now. I, I think I left it down there and, and she wrote to me. She said, be present. Be present. Fully present when you talk to God. Talk to him like he's in the room with you, because he is. Be intentional. Establish a consistent time of prayer, just you and God alone. Get into a daily rhythm of abiding and praying, and then seeing fruit from that that abiding time with God. Get into a rhythm. We talked about the semicircle and how to do that start small if you don't have a, an effective prayer life start small eight minutes a day five minutes in four minutes in the morning four minutes in the evening first thing that happens when you get out of bed before your feet hit the ground begin to just praise God for another day and then at the close of the day carve out four minutes at the close of the day if you can to get on your knees and thank God for another day that he's let you see. It's the beginning of a good prayer life. If you're married, pray with and over your spouse daily. I'm, I, I'll ask you to close your eyes. Or I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this way. How many of you have problems praying over your spouse? someone was bold enough to raise their hand listen do you know that's where the enemy will attack you most if he can keep you from praying with and with your, with and over your spouse he can keep you divided fervently and effectively pray daily with and over your spouse find a good prayer partner If you're a man, find a man that you can look up to that can be a strong spiritual partner for you and commit to praying with them as often as possible. If you're a woman, the same thing. Take advantage of times of corporate prayer. We've got a a time of corporate prayer coming up here on the 9th, next Saturday, 7 a.m. Some great time for us to hear from God collectively as a family. I'd love to see you here. I think it's necessary for you to be here to start the year off right. And then pray with expectation and anticipation because you have a father that listens to you. He's concerned about your every need and your every desire, and you can expect that when you pray to him, he hears you and you will get an answer from him, even if it's no. So pray with an expectation. I'm going to close by asking you a simple question. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would. This is for you. For 2016. Jesus set the example for us, you all, on how to deepen our relationship with the Father and with others. He set the example for us. It all starts with an effective prayer life. Will you commit to having an effective prayer life this year in 2016? Because I promise you, if you commit to doing that, you will see that you will grow exponentially and that your spiritual walk will deepen and become richer with Jesus this year. It's the first Sunday of the, of the year and I don't want to presume anything. And so again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and, and you're like, hey, you know, Pastor Greg, I've never even embraced the truth, the saving grace of Jesus Christ and I've been out there in the world too long is time to come in if i'm talking to you today i want you to slip your hand up today is a day for you man today is a day for you woman Today's your day to relinquish control of your life to the lordship of jesus christ